Hey, welcome to the Protectors Podcast. Before we start, I want to give a quick shout out to OSD, Outperform, Serve, and Develop. We have a really big promotion going on right now where Xbox, you know, Xbox, Call of Duty, um, Halo, all the other big titles is matching donations up to $250,000. Now that goes to March 31st, 2020. So please check out our, our, our weosd.org. Check out any of my links anywhere. And please donate what you can. And if you can't donate, please pass on the word. Today, great guest, former FBI agent, former pilot. He's been there, done that. And now he is a published author of Without Sanction. Where is it? There it is, Without Sanction. <laughs> Don, welcome. Thanks, Jason. Great to be here. Hey, brother. Um, this is great. Uh, we have a lot in common. Well, one thing is the FBI mm -hmm. because I'm married to one and you were one <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we were both in the army. Uh, some good stuff, man. And uh, I'm eventually going to be writing one of these awesome fiction thrillers like you, but awesome. yeah, man, I'm excited to talk to you today. Thanks. Likewise. Likewise. So tell me about you. You um, was your goal to be in law enforcement, your goal to be a writer, mm -hmm. goal to be in a pilot. I mean, you have uh, a very diverse background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what happens when people can't figure out what they want to be when they grow up, <laughs> I think, is, is what happened with me. But um, so I guess from a young age, I wanted I wanted to do two things. I wanted to serve in the military and I wanted to be a writer. And the um, I, I like to joke that I'm the I'm the first one in my family that voluntarily went in the army. My dad was drafted <laughs> for Vietnam and my grandfather was drafted to World War Two. But it was really important uh, for me to serve. And, and I was fortunate enough to, to win an Army ROTC scholarship. And so I went to, to school to the Ohio State University on, a, on an ROTC scholarship and was also very fortunate to get aviation after that. And it's hard. I tell people it's really hard to have a bad day when you're flying Apache helicopters because it is, you know, most times it's, 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 you can't believe they're actually paying you to do this. But while I was in... Um, college and I had a, I got a degree in electrical engineering just as every writer does. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And so it was funny because my, my senior year, I had to take this technical writing class and it was, you know, the first assignment, the professors like write something about, uh, or, or write about something that you built. And so all my classmates being good engineers wrote about circuit boards they built or, or something like that. And I wrote this funny story about a treehouse I built when I was a kid and turned it in. And then the next class period, the professor stands up and he's like, I don't really usually do this, but one of these reminded me um, as, as my, as my life as a child. And so I want to read you this. And he read me and read obviously my, my paper. And that was like my crowning moment in college. I'm like, <laughs> this is the thing I am most proud for uh, proud of. And it has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with my degree and what I'm doing here. And so I went in the army, uh, much like you, and I spent 10 years on active duty and did um, a tour in Afghanistan as an air cavalry troop commander as part of that. In uh, about 2001, my first, my first gig out of um, flight school was, was Korea. And after I got back from Korea, I started to get serious about my writing at the same time. And so 
wrote a bunch of short stories that didn't sell and, and figured I needed to learn a little bit more about my, my craft. And so I took some online um, classes from Writer's Digest and stuff like that to kind of learn the basics behind writing a novel and, and kind of how that worked. And so for the next about um, 17 years, as I'm finishing up my career in the Army and then transition to the civ civilian world and then back to the FBI again and then out of the FBI, I'm writing at the same time. And so I wrote three novels that didn't sell, um, had two other agents that I parted ways with, and then was finally fortunate enough to write uh, without sanction, which obviously did sell. And And I say that to say that when you're when you're on Twitter and in the writing community like you are, it looks, it's real easy a lot of times to see somebody who gets a book deal or sells there. And, and part of you is cheering for them and part of you is like, you know, I've been working at this forever and they came out of nowhere and just got that. And I think most of the folks in the writer's community have suffered through multiple rejections, multiple years of trying to get their craft right. And, and that was certainly my story as well as a writer. Now, and I like how you say that it, it, nothing is overnight in the writing world. No, nothing, no. absolutely nothing. And once you do start watching and following, you see that there is a backstory behind everything. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yep. a lot of like this new, the thriller age, I call it, it seems like everything like post 2010, 2011, and in the past two years, we've had incredible writers coming out. Yep. It's and a ton of people with real world experience as well. You know, yep. you have like the Jack Carr, yep. the Brad the, Andrews and Wilson, yep, and then yep. um, Matt, Bettley, Joshua Hood, Josh everybody, Hood, man. Yep, I mean, yep, everybody, yep. man. Yep. And it's very cool. And maybe you couldn't get to this point now until you had that experience. You could always say that as well. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's, you know, folks have asked me before, do you have to have a background in the military or law enforcement or, you know, one of those things to write those? And I don't think you do. And the reason why I say that is, you know, Vince Flynn, Brad Taylor, Tom Clancy, all of those guys, extremely successful. None of them served in the military. But I have to think that each one of them did the due diligence to figure out what that felt like. Right. Like I remember growing up and reading Red Storm Rising and Hunt for the Red October. And you mm -hmm. thought Tom Clancy had been a naval officer. And then you and then you figure out he he sold insurance. And you're like, how did he do this? But <laughs> I think it's the same way um, for folks who, honestly, even for folks who served in the military, because some of the some of it comes um, easier for me, but I write about a character, uh, Matt Drake, who's my protagonist, who is a, DI, a case officer for the Defense Intelligence Agency. And then like a lot of folks in the Defense Intelligence Agency came from a different branch and was an Army mm -hmm. Ranger before. And I've never been an Army Ranger, never been to Ranger School, never been in special operations, but I was fortunate enough to cultivate a whole bunch of friends from that community. And so you can, you know, part of it, you know, were, were my coworkers where I could live with them every day. And then part of it is, as I'm sure you do, is that as a writer, your your tape recorder is always on and you're listening to folks talk and you're listening, you know, you, you buy somebody a beer and, and they tell you a story and you're mm -hmm. like, man, if I tweak that just a little bit, it would be it would be perfect in this book. And so I think even the great the, the great writers that have that perfect background, like Brad Taylor or Jack Carr, I would imagine if you ask them or Brad's famous for doing research constantly and doing mm -hmm. trips everywhere that even the guys who write about ninjas and were ninjas before 
still have to do the research to stay current or still or can't, I think, can't rely too much on that background. And so I, I guess I'd say it would certainly help. But if you don't have that background, I don't think it's an impediment to writing in this genre for sure. No, and that's one thing, too, is about the, a lot of the authors that don't have the background do their research. Yep. And they yep. do bona fide research. They're interviewing people. They're going on location. Yep. They're doing everything they possibly can. I mean, I had uh, Mark Greeny on last week and the mm -hmm. same thing. He doesn't have the background, you know, but um, yep. he does his research and he's he's yep. going to locations. He's making notes. Yep. He's turning on that tape recorder in your head that's saying, hey, yep. you know what? This is a good part of a story. And that's absolutely that's everybody apart, man. I love it. Kim Howe is another great, KJ Howe is another great example of that. Like she did countless interviews with, with folks who were both um, negotiators and people who had spent time or had been kidnapped and stuff like that. And it's just another great example, I think, of somebody that does the research and you can see it reflected in their work. Yeah. And you brought up another good point about your protagonist. And I was reading up the summary of your book and the, and the presser that they send out with it. Having someone come from the DIA. Yeah, you know, a lot of people yeah. don't realize that the DIA has a hell of an offensive yeah. and defensive apparatus in their human, uh, yep. their human. So I mean, it, it's a really cool that you have that in there. This, somebody really smart told me that when you want to come to the genre, any genre, you need to bring something that's the same but different. So you need to write something that fits in there and 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 will will sit on the bookshelf next to your idols. But at the same time, it has to offer something that's slightly different than what's out there now. And so when I was an FBI agent, I, I, my first job was to run and recruit what we call sources and what folks in the intelligence community call assets. And I got to rub shoulders with a lot of different agencies doing that. And so if you look at, at our genre right now, there's a ton of great folks who write people um, who are in the employee of the CIA or a number of other three-letter agencies. But... The DIA, like I said, as you said, is something that not too many folks know about, number one. And number mm -hmm. two, there's this awesome inherent conflict that I touch on some in my book between the CIA and the DIA because they have very similar missions. Both their case officers go to the farm for training, but the DIA has – and they compete, I guess, in some ways for the same funding. But the folks in the DIA are predominantly uh, military members, milita folks with military backgrounds. And so going back to that same but different, I thought, you know, how can I do, because I knew I wanted my protagonist, Matt, to be a, a case officer. And so how do I do something that's a little bit different than what everybody else is doing, but still resonates with the genre? So hopefully I pulled that off. You'll have to tell me. <laughs> I'm going to. And the book is without sanction. There it is, everybody. What's the release date on that? So it's three March, three March, okay, so two we weeks from yesterday. So we're, we're finally coming down to the wire. Let's talk about something different. Matt yeah. Drake. You know, I've, yep. I should always ask this. Where did the, where did the name Matt Drake come from? Cause I never <laughs> asked anybody. I'm always like, where did these awesome names come from, man? Oh man. I, I think, uh, I think from a protagonist, you want, um, you want a last name, maybe even that's one syllable, um, or or at least a last name that's easy to roll off the tongue, and, and mm -hmm. that um, especially in in this genre, because sometimes the the characters go with the last name uh, a lot. And one of my beta readers from like all the way back in two thousand one, when I started getting serious, she's read I think almost every short story I've done, and all three novels that didn't sell and everything. Her last name was Drake. And I was like, man, that would be a cool name for it. 
And then Matt was actually, I had a, a buddy that I'd served with whose name was Matt and, and people used to call him Matty and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, that's, that's kind of a cool name too. And mm-hmm. So put the two of those together and Matt Drake was born. Matt Drake was born. You know, that rolls good. You know, like, hey, Matt Drake. That's open right. Up the that's door, right. Pull Almost as good as Bond, James Bond. Yeah. And it's, I talked to Mark Green. It's like, Court Gentry, you know, the Gray Man series. <laughs> I'm practicing my voiceovers every time I do the <laughs> Don Bentley was a former FBI agent. And yeah. now he writes full time. Well, I thought still stuff. can't figure out what he wants to do with his life. That's, uh, that's <laughs> Listen, do we time. ever figure it out? No. I'm, uh, I got one one foot out the door in the government. Uh, <laughs> I want to be a writer full time. I want to be a podcaster. That's what I want to do when I grow up. My my kids. Hey, you're doing one of those those uh, podcast things again? I'm like, yep. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly, exactly. So, Don, you um you have had some tough experiences, and it's not like everybody everyday life and this is one thing that you if you haven't lived it you haven't you know you can't really explain it and that's the stress sure. of that guilt you know the wartime yeah. guilt and i was reading up on you and you know not being able to save someone as you know here you are in a pilot you're an apache sure. pilot and you don't have the opportunity to save someone and that guilt does transfer and it, it always remains but how do you deal with that stress how do you deal with that yeah, that, that's really hard, and I think it's I think it's something that's common um, to folks in law enforcement, to first responders, to people in the military, where you spend your entire it feels like your entire life, but you train constantly for this one event, right? You, you're basically spending your entire professional life training for for the for something to go wrong, and then when it happens or when that's that opportunity, not opportunity arises, but when the thing that you've trained for happens and it doesn't go the way it was supposed to, what do you do with that? You know, I, it, it sounds somewhat of a trite analogy, but for people who hadn't served the way I kind of phrased it is imagine you're a professional football player and you, you spend your entire career wanting to go to the Super Bowl, and you do and you fumble the ball and that's, and that's your one play ever in the Super Bowl and you fumble the ball, how do, how do you recover from that? And I think, I think that question's a little different uh, for everybody. I think for me, there wasn't, there wasn't a magic uh, moment or a, hey, read this book and do these three things. And I think everybody has to come to terms with it on their own. What I think one of the things that helped immensely is as veterans, uh, we tend to be kind of private people unless we're unless we're around folks that we serve with and we're going to have a beer and talk about old times and stuff. When you leave the military, especially, and, and I imagine the same is 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 true for for first responders or police, and you leave that community, all of a sudden you go from everybody around you understanding what you've been through and being able to relate with that to nobody and, and to having no one who has walked in your shoes or done that. And when I left the army after 10 years, I left um, shortly after my tour in Afghanistan, I went from there to corporate America, which were a bunch of great people, but not a one of them had ever been in combat. Not a one of them had ever been through that. And so what helped for me, honestly, because, because the guy that was my front seater during that operation that went so badly had been struggling with a lot of the same things I had, and we never talked to each other, and we never connected, and we and it wasn't until a mutual friend brought us back together that I realized, like, holy crap! For the last six years, 
I've been dealing with this on my own in my own little bubble and he's been doing, dealing it with the same thing. And it never even occurred to me to reach out to him or vice versa. And I think that's one part. I think another part, a, a good friend of mine is a guy named Nate Self, who was a ranger, the ranger QRF um, leader for Roberts Ridge and for the the horrible thing where, where uh, a seal fell out of the back of the Chinook mm-hmm. and, and he and his guys tried to, to go save him and his helicopter was shot down and just this gut wrenching story that he wrote a book about called two wars, which, which focused some on that. And then a lot of his PTSD struggle. And, and, you know, one of the times when I finally got to know Nate better, I told him my story. And at the end of it, he looked at me and he said, it's not your fault. And that, that wasn't anything anybody hadn't said to me before, but it had so much more weight coming from a guy who had in, in your words, been there and done that and and honestly could look at me and say it wasn't your fault just like it wasn't my fault and i think that's like i said that's the power of actually connecting with other veterans of staying in contact with people and frankly of telling your story like that's one of the things that i want to talk about with with my book when i get the opportunity to meet people is that your story is powerful and it's powerful Mm -hmm. in ways both to you and to, to folks that you don't even know about that when you tell that story, it resonates with them. And I think, I think as veterans, we all aspire to be the quiet professional in that you come out of the military and you go on and you live your life and, and you don't wear it on your sleeve, which I think is good. But I think sometimes we lose something by not still sharing our stories. I'm very glad that you brought that up to tell your story. And, you know, but just by you being on here, and telling me that story, you know, it resonates and I'm hoping it resonates with the audience, which I'm sure it will. Um, but writing the books, telling your story, talking to other veterans, talking to other people. Yep. Um, even t- I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, if you're having a stressful day, pick up your phone, text someone, you know, yep. even if it's just to say, hi, don't, you don't have yep. to unload on it, but, but tell your story. That's, that's great advice, man. And, uh, I'm sure one way of writing a fiction book is to kind of to right the wrongs in little ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nick Petrie, um, who's become a very good friend of mine, he writes the the Peter Ash series and with mm-hmm. the Drifters, his first book. He as I was talking to him about writing and in the process of writing and, and what that means, he said that, you know, in a good book, what's really happening is the novelist is working out a question for themselves on the pages mm-hmm. of that book, right? And so for me, you know, when I look at it, I think, you know, some of the, the question that I was trying to, to answer as I was writing the book is, you know, number one, could I have done something different? But then the second one that's probably harder to vocalize is what, what do I ever do with this? Like, is there anything I can ever do to make up for that day? Or you mm-hmm. kind of you, you know that you can't get a do over, but in your head, you, you're, you're always thinking, is there anything? Will I ever have something that significant happen again? And maybe it goes a different way this time. And so mm-hmm. that's that's what I really wanted my protagonist to wrestle with. And when when the, the book starts, Matt Drake has his is not in the DIA anymore because he had he had had a a operation that went wrong that cost his asset and his assets family their lives and so he was he was wrestling with that question and he gets the chance over the course of the book to potentially right that wrong or or a second chance and and then the question becomes you know 
is he courageous enough to go back to Syria where everything went wrong and try and do it again? And, and I'm sure, you know, you, you the same way, there are moments where you've been deployed or maybe moments in your, in your life where you're like, man, I wish I could just do that over again. I wish I had that five minutes in time over mm -hmm. again. And, and you don't get that chance, but maybe you still get the chance to, to do something just as significant. Now, and I like how you said that before about, um, you know, and now that you said it, every, every novelist is working something out yeah. and I'm thinking about, I'm like, you know what, as I think back about like, you know, the, the books, the recent books I've read, and I'm like, you can, you can see it in the words. Yeah. There's, you know, whether or not it's talking out back about a bad, uh, leadership decision or about a yep. bad action or anything. It's like, yep, it's there, man. Yep. Yep. I mean, it's, you're going to spend, you know, conservatively, unless you're, unless you're Brad Taylor or Mark Greeny, who, who can <laughs> crank out a book in six months, you're going to spend a year of your life, maybe more writing that book. So there has to be enough there that sustains you as an author too, right? There has to be a weight to both the story and then whatever else you're exploring with as you're writing it, that it's going to be worth it to you to spend a year or more of your life chasing yeah. it. So I'm really looking forward to this without sanction comes out soon. Look at that. Look at that cover too. That's <laughs> badass, man. Even though I think, uh, oh, there's a SIG, right? Am I looking at a SIG there? I think so. I'm, I okay. am not. We got to, we got to work on that. Okay. Yeah. He uh, uses a Glock in a book because <laughs> okay. that's what I carried in the FBI. But honestly, I'm not a Glock or a gun guy. They said, use this. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. So my wife, um, she's a petite, not petite. She's like five, six, but she's really yep. like fit. Yep. And I give her the Glock 22, this big, yeah. humongous, full size, 40 yep. caliber Glock. And I'm like, Really? <laughs> For work, I'm carrying like a little Glock 9. <laughs> oh, FBI, FBI, FBI. Yep, yep. Hey, brother, I really appreciate this, man. And let's not end on a, a, a talk about, you know, working out issues. <laughs> Besides writing, what is the, what is your goal? I mean, like, I mean, what is your get me up? What gets you up in the morning? Mm, I love writing and uh, I love my family and my kids. It's, it's yeah, been my my oldest now is 18 and he's graduating from high school and so it's been you know we're going on college visits <laughs> together and that's and that's hard to wrap your head around but i think it's <laughs> it's also pretty neat he's looking at pursuing uh much to my chagrin uh, a marine rotc scholarship oh, instead of an come on, air one, force but, coast guard <laughs> I know. And, and it's like do you realize and, and matt betley's cheering in the background and he's like yeah <laughs> But it's, I mean, that's the amazing part, right? Is watching your yeah. kids walk through, walk through life and, and make that transition from being kids to adults. So that really drives uh, me. The absolute best thing ever, man. You mm -hmm. know, absolutely. Don, I really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks, Jason. Likewise. Yeah, we're going to collaborate again. I can see it. Yep. And it'll be great. And hopefully okay. I'll get to see you at the, at the book signing up in uh, Arlington. So. Oh, I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When is that? Um, that is sometime. <laughs> we'll put that out, everybody. <laughs> it is uh, the seventh of March at the I'll Arlington be. Public Library. I will be there for awesome. sure. Awesome. Looking okay, forward brother, to seeing it. you. Yep.